Our reading today is Our Sacred Fire by Elizabeth Harding. People have always known that fire was special. Long, long ago, before people made matches or candles or even made houses, people knew that fire was special. There was the great fire in the sky, the sun, which made the earth warm and made night into day. And there were the smaller fires that people made, fires that cooked their food and kept them warm and brought them light. People honored the fires because fire was special. Fire was more than human. Fire has power. It can create and it can destroy. It can bring light and it can burn. It can create and it can destroy. Fire can be wonderful and fire can be terrible. We have to be careful with fire. And so people thought that fire was something sacred and holy. Some people even worshiped fire and said that fire was a deity like a goddess or a god. Other people said fire wasn't actually the deity, but just meant that the deity was there. No matter what they believed, people all over the world gave fire a special place in their religions. They had fires in their homes, of course, to cook food and keep warm, and they also had sacred fires in their temples. They set sacred lamps on their altars. They lit sacred bonfires outside on the hilltops and in the groves. They placed sacred torches near the graves of those who died. We still do this today. In Washington, D.C., near the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, burns an eternal flame that never goes out. In churches at Christmas time, many Christians light four candles on an Advent wreath. During the eight days of Hanukkah, Jews light the eight candles of the menorah. At Diwali, Hindus set small lamps all around the house. And when Unitarian Universalists gather, we light a chalice. This is our sacred fire. In 1941, the Reverend Dr. Charles Rend Joy was looking for a symbol. As the head of the Lisbon office of the Unitarian Service Committee, Joy found himself helping many refugees who were fleeing Nazi Germany. And they needed to obtain replacement papers that would allow them to travel to a new place. See, Lisbon was one of the few European ports open in Europe in the early 1940s, so it became a preferred destination for many escaping the stranglehold of authoritarianism on the continent. He knew the immigrants would need these papers to get through the British blockade so this became some of the most important work that the Unitarian Service Committee engaged in during those years to make sure the British knew that these were safe people who could be let through. Thanks to their efforts, many were saved. Now, as he created these replacement papers, Joy was a stickler about making them look as official as possible. So he believed that they needed a seal. So he asked Hans Deutsch, an Austrian refugee artist working in Lisbon, to create one. Deutsch produced what was essentially the first rendition of a flaming chalice, which has, over the decades, become the default symbol of both Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists around the world. 
And relatively recently, it surprises a lot of people to learn, but since the 1980s, it's only been since the 1980s, the chalice has become a symbol in many congregations. Though Deutsch could not have possibly known how important his design would become to Unitarian Universalism, his symbol has provided inspiration to UU's for 79 years. Today, most UU congregations in North America and Britain start their services with the lighting of a chalice, just as we do every week. But have you ever stopped to consider the meaning behind this flame. In a letter to the American Unitarian Association headquarters in Boston, Joy suggested that the chalice was a symbol of helpfulness and service. This is certainly a great start, but I think it's more than that today. My colleague, the Reverend Dr. Susan Ritchie, suggests that chalices represent transformations that take place when we are held by religious community. When we light the chalice in worship, she says, we illuminate a world that we feel called upon to serve with love and a sense of justice. The lit chalice reminds us of our responsibility to each other and to the larger world, that we are in relationship and that we are called to transform the world with love and justice. For me, it's such a great symbol because the fire within our chalice purifies. As our reading reminded us this morning, fire can indeed be a destructive element. We need look no further than the wildfires in Australia to realize this. However, used in the right way, Fire also has the power to purify, to bring forth new life. If it weren't for the fire of our sun, nothing would be able to exist on this earth. And the fire of our closest star heats the days, preventing them from becoming too cold, allowing us to get our work done. The heat from fire can destroy the germs from surgical equipment and make a pot of water that would otherwise be toxic, safe for drinking and cooking. And even though I would not wish wildfires on anyone right now, as they can be so destructive and they are so destructive, they can in some cases actually enable new growth, which provides food for animals. The light of our chalice can do the same, symbolically, of course. Each week, we come together and we examine a facet of human existence that is important to our lives and to the wider world. We don't always have all the answers, and most of the time we don't agree when we do think we have the answers, but we're struggling to find our way through a confusing, often hostile world, seeking to find a better way to be together, searching for hope 
in place of the despair we're offered by the circumstances of our present culture. We realize how much we need each other to make it through. In the words of physician and Unitarian Albert Schweitzer, sometimes our light goes out but is blown into flame by another human being. Each of us owes deepest thanks to those who have rekindled the light. Together, before this chalice, we rekindle each other's sparks weekly, sitting with each other in our tender places, encouraging each other to spiritual growth and being with one another in the tough times. But fire isn't static. Whatever it touches, it changes. That, to me, should be the marker of whether religious community is living up to its potential, whether the people within it are being purified, changed, and transformed weekly. <coughs> to paraphrase my colleague, the Reverend Eric Walker Wickstrom, if you are who you were, and if the person next to you is who they were, if none of us has changed since the day we came in here, this congregation has failed. Indeed, it is the call of every one of the great religions to change our lives for the better. And it is no different with Unitarian Universalism. Our congregations around the world change people on a weekly basis by encouraging one another to growth in spirit, mind, and body, to grow our capacity for compassion and justice, to encourage critical thinking about what it means to be religious. More than that, though, our community encourages everyone who comes through those doors to be the best possible person they can be because the world needs each one of us, every one of you who are hearing my words this morning, and it needs us at our best if we're going to transform and change it. I think that's why I love the fire ceremony so much. It puts a UU spin on an old tradition, that of making New Year's resolutions. Yes, the beginning of the calendar year is technically a very arbitrary time to decide to make changes in our lives. But there's something about expressing the, new, the beginning of a new time symbolically through changes in our lives. Rather than being fickle changes we may or may not keep, these resolutions can be promises we make to ourselves about the kind of people we want to be into the future. The fire ceremony invites us to bring those promises into the sacred space, to write down what we are leaving behind in the previous year and to see it purified in our chalice flame. Letting go of our past is no easy feat. 
Newspaper columnist Ann Landers once said, some people believe holding on and hanging in there are signs of great strength. However, there are times when it takes much more strength to know when to let go and then do it. Through the power of ritual, we vow to ourselves, each other, and the universe what kind of people we want to be, where our lives will go, and we let go of those things that have hindered us from the beginning from being the people we want to be. In other words, when I make such a vow, I make a decision that I will not be defined by my past. No, the ritual doesn't literally transform us. I'm not going to make that claim this morning. But out of the flames, we can find healing and inspiration to carry our resolutions forward into the coming months. <coughs> Through our intentions we make this morning, we can bring transformation for ourselves. Whether we're seeking a new relationship, a change in our jobs or life circumstances, or a more healthful life, or simply to be a better person who is ready to bring transformation into the world. And our ceremony reminds us that when we fail, and we will fail, every one of us, or when we feel overwhelmed, and we will feel overwhelmed, every one of us, we are held by the loving embrace of this community. <coughs> and this chalice flame will be here to guide us back to our best selves. Just as the chalice once guided European refugees to a safer place, so too does our flame still guide spiritual pilgrims each week as we figure out this thing called life together. The fire ceremony may only be a once a year thing, but this community transforms lives every week. As each of us lets go of the things we want to leave behind in 2019, maybe, may we be reminded of the transformation that is possible here in every moment we are alive. And may this sacred chalice light our path in the year to come. May it be so. Now, something important that I need to ask every one of you before we begin our before we begin our fire ceremony, everyone should have gotten a piece of paper as you came in this morning. If you didn't, please raise your hand and someone will get you one. So we have one person up front and a couple of people towards the back. I see. The new year calls us forward, filled with mystery. As we turn towards the new year, we take a final glimpse of the past year and reckon with all that it has held for us. At this time, Jim's going to move throughout with a basket full of pens. If you need one, please let him know, and we'll get you a pen. So 
The paper you received this morning, as you saw during the Moment for All Ages, is a special kind of paper called flash paper. Flash paper is specially treated paper that evaporates in fire, leaving no ash or residue. This morning, I want to invite you to take this piece of paper and consider what you might want to leave behind today in the previous year. And in a moment, we're going to invite you to burn it brightly so that it changes form and disappears. So take this piece of paper and reflect on the year behind you. Consider what you might leave behind today. What parts of our lives, what things, ideas, people, ways of living have become obstacles to our becoming the people we want to be, the people we need to be? What's holding you back? What's getting in the way of you living as fully as you'd want to? What might you burn away? What might you relinquish? Now, though I'm, though I'm suspect some of you, like me, might be able to fill up both sides of this piece of paper, I'm going to invite you to condense it down into a few words or at most a sentence or even a picture of what you want to leave behind in the previous year. Nobody will see it except you, the flame and the universe. So I'm going to give us a moment of silence and ask you to write on your piece of paper what you would like to leave behind in the previous year. If the past year has held joy and growth for you, may that sweetness continue to bless you. If the past year has held pain and bitterness, may you be relieved of those burdens, renewed for the journey ahead. Let us look to the new with hope, with curiosity about its many unknowns, and with faith in our strengths to navigate it with grace. I'd like to invite you to rise in body or in spirit as you're willing and able for our closing hymn, which is hymn number six in the gray hymnal, Just As Long As I Have Breath. Having let go, set our intentions, named our curiosity, committed our energies, and given ourselves over to lives of balance, purpose, and meaning, let us begin again in love. Blessed be and go in peace. <laughs>